Lord, thank you. Thank you for the freedom that we have to even show up on a given Sunday morning, whether we're here in person, whether we're joining online, whether we're even watching or joining later in the week. We can grow accustomed to that. We can get so used to our freedom that we forget how important it is. So, Lord, help us see not only what is good about where we live, but good about who we worship. There's much freedom in you. It's the only place there's true freedom. Lord, help me communicate that today. In fact, I would ask that you stand in my shoes, that you speak with my mouth, and that you give me your thoughts so that your people hear your message for us, not my message for them. And Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you would have us see, hear, and receive. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're starting a new series. We're calling it Meat and Potatoes. I got overruled. I wanted to call it Meat and Potatoes Responses to Caviar Ideas or Questions, um, but it doesn't fit on a graphic. And you'll see, so you see the little plate and knife and fork up there. <clears throat> um, years ago, I had the privilege to to do an adjunct professorship thing at the seminary for a couple of years. And there's a class that every senior, every senior has to take, it's called Credo. Um, it's where we get the word creed. It's an I believe statement. It's 35 pages of walking through basically the beliefs and standards, what, what a, whatever their denomination believes. And my job, which I think that I was, um, uh, I think it was a compliment that I was asked, but uh, Dr. Um, Seminary professor, you wouldn't know him, uh, Dr. Kaiser, he came to me one day and he goes, hey, um, wondering if you would be willing to, these advanced theological students have to figure out how to talk to normal people, so would you help them? I'm like, I think that was a compliment. I think he's saying I can, I can grab the concepts but communicate them well. Um, but that's, that's kind of what we're doing through the rest of the summer is, is we're going to take these things that you might be familiar with if you've been in the church a long time, if you've a student of the scriptures for a long time, a bunch of these concepts. Uh, they're going to be a little bit more topical. We'll obviously use the scriptures and let that speak to us. Um, but today is law and grace, our legalism and faithfulness, I guess is a better way of putting it. Um, but we will talk about exegesis and hermeneutic. We will talk about sanctification. We'll discuss what the sacraments are, what they mean, why we practice them. Uh, there, we'll talk about revelation, uh, not the book of revelation, but what scripture is, where it comes from, why it's authoritative. Uh, there's going to be lots of stuff, but we're going to, all of us are going to try to take these advanced theological concepts and communicate them to folks who don't have advanced theological training. I'm not saying that we know more, but it's just easy to throw words around and, and assume that people understand the, the, the complicated caviar ideas behind those big words. So today is law and grace. Most of us have a decent understanding of, of these two concepts. Um, Paul, though, in this passage in Colossians chapter three, he equates the law, which came from God, um, he equates the law with the flesh and never in scripture when it talks about the flesh does it speak of it highly except for one spot the word became flesh and moved in next door um, but it's that, that God would make such a huge step to go from all spirit to be flesh like us was a, a very limiting thing for God. But so Paul talks about the law and, and, and counting on the law about the flesh and he talks about um, righteousness that comes from Christ 
as that which God rewards us, gives to us on, at his expense. So I want you to, when we're reading through it, I want you to hear that, that where he says the, is, what he says is negative and what he says is unbelievably positive. The other thing, you'll, you'll hear that he steps right into, he calls some people dogs and mutilators of the flesh. So I just want you to know what's going on there. Um, Paul loves Philippi, the church in Philippi. He, I would argue it's his favorite church. Not that he's supposed to have favorites, but he does. I know that Galatians is his least favorite because it's the only, the only epistle that he wrote that he did not thank God for them. It was not going well. So, but here, he's got these people that, that had come out of, most of them were not previously Jewish. Remember that Paul's, Paul's mission was for the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. Um, so he planted this church there and they took off and ran with it very well. But then some Judaizers, so some Jewish people came from Jerusalem and were trying to tell the Christians um, in Philippi that, that you can't be pleasing to God and you cannot please God unless you do the things that God says, God told us that we should do. That's circumcision, all the food laws, how you, if you, the people you can be in contact with, the people that you can't be in contact with. So Paul is, he's tearing them up. And one more thing, because of an, uh, uh, words I'm gonna use later, I'm gonna be very sweet and nice about those words, um, but you'll hear, me, you'll hear me use the word do-do later, okay? And I want you to know that it's scriptural. Paul, when he says, I consider it all like refuse or um, I don't remember exactly what this translation says, but other places it's dung and he's using the word poo, okay? So when I use that, it's meant to get a little bit of a little smirk, but I'm, it, it's scriptural. I'm not gonna use the word, the direct translation and neither do, neither do we in the scripture, the direct translation of what Paul said. And the other thing I want you to know is that 11 of the 13 verses we're gonna read in the original language, one sentence. Paul is an amazingly accomplished author, but that those were really hard to translate back in seminary. In fact, it was one of the passages that I was given to test whether I could translate Greek. Didn't go great. So here's the passage. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write to you the same thing, or to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard to you. So just like today, we're going to tell you things you already know, but it's a safeguard to you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship the Spirit of, by the Spirit of God, who, uh, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. And as for legalistic righteousness, Faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider it loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. Refuse, rubbish, dung, things that you don't want to put in your brownie that I may gain Christ and be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and fellowship of share and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained, uh, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, uh, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if, some, and if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. Only let, let us live up to what we have already attained. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang out on that last little verse for a minute. Um, those of you, those of us who are Christian, those of us who have decided that we will, the only, only, piece, of the, only piece of the salvation that we have any say in is whether we appropriate the gift of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. The only thing, only say we have in the matter is whether we say yes, Lord, or no, Lord. I mean, God, I had one person describe hell as God's honoring your decision to say no to his gift. Because God is not gonna send, make anyone spend eternity with him if they don't wanna be there. So he's gonna honor the free will that humanity has and allow you to be separated from him forever if you choose to say no to his gift. And because you're in church on the 4th of July or because you're joining us online, it, it indicates that you have likely said yes to the gift of eternal life that comes only through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. He offered himself up as a living sacrifice. So with that idea in mind, how do, we, uh, how do we continue to live up to what we've already attained? It's already been given, but we have to cooperate with God in his fulfilling that. Well, we, we're, we're always tempted, as, as, as Paul is articulating, we're always tempted on, on what systems can we create to show ourselves and or to show God or to show others how faithful we are. The way we do that typically is what we would refer to as legalism or set a set of rules, a set of boundaries, and, the, and they're good. Boundaries and rules are good. God created them, and Jesus talks about there being two, really. He takes the whole of the Ten Commandments, the whole Levitical and the, and the Mosaic Law, and he summarizes it with just a couple of, couple of sentences. Love the Lord your God with everything you have, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, okay, so if we stay within the boundaries of loving God and loving ourselves and loving others, then we know that this is where God would have us be. That's good. But when we start setting up more and more rules or more and more ways and we have to, we, we have to continue to, to do this, 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 don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. When we come over to the grace side of things and look back, all we see was a lot of doo-doo. It's rubbish, it's dung, it's not, it does Paul tells us that this does nothing. So why do we have thousands of years of history, of scriptural history that shows what the law is? Well, God set it up 
to show us that no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, we cannot appease the deity that already loves us. We cannot make it, think about this, those of you who have children, those of you who have, who have had children, or those of you who have been a child, that gets everybody, right? Do you ever have rules for your children? I did, I had three, at least the three that I had in my head. There's a bunch of others that came from that, but you, you don't lie, because that gives parents nothing to work with. You don't hit your sister, and you don't treat things like they're more important than people, and if you do, the thing gets thrown in the trash. Those are pretty simple. Right. But but when when something became important, like that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. When 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 I would take the thing away. Did that change the heart? Did that change the motive? It just changes behavior. That's what law does. My father, I'm pretty slippery on political things um, from the front. And I hope you know why. Uh, if I stand up and say, this is, my, this is the political view that you, I have and you should have, which is what everyone in the world does today, um, then I've disenfranchised half the people and the other half now think that, they're, they're, that God's on their side. And if I go the other way, then some people think that, well, then you're, I don't even think you know God. So there's just really no way. Plus, this is primary. The others are second, third, fourth, down to 10th. This is what's most important. This is what should be most important to Christians. But, but uh, when my father-in-law was in town about a month ago, and, and I can be free with him. He's my father-in-law. He, he, I married his daughter. He can't get rid of me. So I made a comment because, you know, I, the news was on a lot, and I would ask him every day, you know, who, what am I supposed to be mad at? What am I supposed to be afraid of? Um, and he'd say everything. And, but he, I, made a, I made a statement, and I said, look, I, I just don't believe that we can legislate morality. I don't think laws change morals. And he, he was like, well, what about, what about, uh, what about murder or, or property rights? I'm like, oh no, I think we should have the laws. I do. But the laws, what they do is they're a disincentive or a, a, a something I must consider before I do what comes natural to me. Like if I, if naturally, if Chris has something that I want, and he has a lot of things that I want. If Chris has something that, that I desire and I want it, if I go take it, steal it from him, then, then there's a consequence to that behavior. Number one, he might have video surveillance on his property. Um, it might be that, that someone else saw me take it or someone might recognize it when they see that I have it and they call the police or whatever might happen. So I'm gonna have to hire, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna have my picture in the paper, <laughs> local pastor arrested for thieving from another local pastor. Uh, I'm going to be in jail. I'm going to have to hire a lawyer. It's going to cost me a lot of money and I might end up in jail. So that's a deterrent. It's like, I better not do that. Even though it comes natural to me, there's something that someone has that I want. I want to take it and make it mine. That's what comes natural. If I want to, a pastor named Vody Bacham, he says this about, about children and parenting and all that kind of stuff. What comes natural to us? He says, the only people in the world that don't believe in original sin are people that don't have children. Because you know original sin when you have a child. And he says, the reason God makes them so cute is so that we won't kill them. And the reason he makes them so small is so they don't kill us. Just joke. It's just a joke, kids. Just a joke. Just playing. I, it was Vody. It wasn't me. It was Vody. I had rules for my children. My parents had rules for me. Some of them were good. Some of them were not. Some of them, but none of them changed the heart. And the reason to talk about all this stuff is because I'm going to talk about in a minute about the temptation we all have, and it's sweet. We can almost taste it, about, uh, about trying to order and control our own world. 
and try to get God to work for us instead of us voluntarily submitting to God. See, we had rules when I was growing up. Um, when my parents were still together, we would go to Georgia um, for vacation. That's where my parent, both my parents' parents were from. And we would travel, six of us, in a 1970-something Oldsmobile Tornado. And I was 10, 11, like that. I, my dad left right when I was uh, right about 12 years old. And uh, so my brother Fred's a little bit older and bigger than me. Then it was me. And then if you got stuck in the middle on the hump, in the back seat, you remember that when the drivetrain went in? And, and, and if you have siblings, you've, you've had something like this. And I'm just going to go a little overboard with it. But um, there was a rule that the boys set for each other that if you sit, if you're in the, if you're in the middle and the, the upholstery had little lines in it and uh, you don't cross this line. Right. You don't don't come over. Don't. This is my spot. You don't get to come. So if if and I was the kind of kid that like, OK, once I realized that there was a rule, I'm going to poke and my brother would poke back. And then there's a bam and then it's a bam. And, and before you know, it, my dad is like get, driving down the road, maybe swerving. And, and then then something. Well, he did that and he started it. No, he started it and back and forth and back and forth because we all think we're righteous and the other sinful. And, and, and then there was that you get the crying going on, you know, because you're just so infuriated and your dad's saying, don't make me pull over. And then it's, you better stop that crying before I give you something to cry about. These are actually good memories for me. I, I, uh, I just and and then you're you know you're told not to cry. Okay, here's the here's the easiest explanation between law and grace, in my opinion. I'm, I'm crying and I've been told not to cry, or else I'll get something. He'll give me something to cry about. So then you try to stop crying. You remember this? <laughs> you got the spasm going on or it's like when you're in school and the, you're, you're laughing because someone blew their nose and it went on their desk or something and, you're, and your teacher sees you not the snot but you and telling you not to not to laugh and it's, now it's even harder not to laugh than it was before because you're not supposed to there's something about the law the rules that they don't produce in us from us what we want you that have children and you discipline your children, you, you see them, they, they hit their sister or they steal something or they do something they should not do. And, and, and there's consequence to that. Of course, there should be. But don't you try to sit down and, and, and tell them why you don't do that? Aren't you hoping to change a heart so that someone, so that a child can have compassion on another, can see that how bad it would hurt someone else if you took something that belonged to them or that you want life, yes, you want life to be fair, but it's not always fair. You try to, you try to explain and to show, hey, we don't do this because. The law of God set up as a boundary saying, I can work with you if you're in here but he's still concerned about the heart and not about the duty or the do-do. See, Jesus, when he came, he came not to abolish, but to fulfill all that this had been pointing to. Paul here talks about the Judaizers and he doesn't say good things about them, but he, he says that they, they want to do this and they want to do this and they want to do this and they want to try and put this on you and they want to put this on you and they want to do this. And he goes, but, but, and, and, and he said, I, I've got all of that stuff. I, I win if we're playing that game. But he says, that, that's, that's nothing. But the righteousness that comes from Christ through faith that changes everything. That's what changes the heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says when someone is in Christ, he's a whole new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. 
If you think through the scriptures, when, when God got upset with, with, the, with the people of Israel, the, his chosen people to walk this earth and represent him on the earth, when, when he would call them back and then they would start, there's a, one time they, they talk about the blood of the sacrificed animals ran so deep in the temple that, the, that it was up to the priest's knees, that they had slaughtered so many animals to make things better between them and God. And God's like, what, what am I gonna do with another goat? God, did God ever eat? The animals that were killed for sacrifice? Of course not. Why did God have them do that? Because he wanted them to see that there's a cost to forgiveness. There's a cost when we mess up. There's a cost when we step out of those bounds. There's a cost. And he let us have an animal pay it for us. Even though it costs us to purchase the animal or to raise it, he, he, wanted, he wanted us to see that there's a cost. But then he became the cost. See, there's nothing, nothing that I can do to appease God, and that is exactly what we try to do when we set up a bunch of rules. See, God has already appeased. He appeased himself. He already took on, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That is grace, and it is God's perfection that he puts on us. It's not our perfection that we try to convince God is perfect. It cannot and will not ever work. But somehow, some way, we get caught up in this. We decide that, you know, and you know how much, if you've been around long enough, you know that I hate the term, personally, good Christian. Oh, he's a good Christian. He's a good Christian. He's a good Christian. What does that mean? He's good at being forgiven? We try, though. We try to make ourselves good before God. Don't hang out with these people. You don't use that kind of language. You don't go there. You don't do this. You don't do this. You don't do this. You don't do this. And then if we keep it up and we read our scriptures every day and, we, and, 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 and we, we pray, we pray in the morning and we pray at night and we pray before every meal, especially in public so people will see us because that's how it should work. And, and we, we get all caught up in it. And then we think, now I know I'm doing good. Now I know I'm doing what Christ wants me to do. And then we start looking at other people and we start judging them against our own standard, against our own rules, against our own expectation. I mean, my grandma had rules. My other grandma had rules. I had, my mom and dad had rules. I had rules, but none of them are all, they're, they're not all the same rules. So how does it work? How do we know what pleases God? Jesus pleases God. Only Jesus pleases God. And so we can, we can live in this and try to convince ourselves that we actually have control of our world, which is idolatry. We think that we're Lord over our own lives. That's idolatry. I hate to tell you, but it is. Under the umbrella of grace, things change. The motive changes. Think about the passages in scripture that speak to this. What, is the, what are the fruits or what are the works of the flesh? dissensions, factions, witchcraft, jealousy, rage, uh, political factions. Those are all listed in Galatians chapter five. And then what, are the, what is the fruit of the spirit? It's fruit, not fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I, I always miss one. But that's about who we are not just about what we do. If you even think of the love chapter, love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. 
only a couple of them have to do with, with anything that's not specifically hard. It's how we look at others. And the only way to look at others is to do what does not come natural to us, but to do what comes natural to God, to be full of grace. Anyone here ever gotten obsessed with something? There's one. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because otherwise everyone's going, I'm not going to do it. Thank you. I have, I have some, I'm going to just share a few things with you. I get, I, I, I have an obsessive personality. I'm sure that's a big surprise. Um, but I'm going to use an example that's ridiculous. Um, and then set up another one. So back when the flat screen TVs started getting cheap, like 600 bucks for a 26 incher. Uh, I'd saved up birthday money. I'd saved up Christmas money. And I had a spot in our house that was the guest room. And it was a little spot where I could sit and watch my TV shows. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sci-fi junkie. So I can sit in it. No one else had to deal with it. And it was the guest room. So the very time I would need to escape when people are there, I, I, I can't. But anyway, so I saved up this morning. I researched the tar out of this thing. And I picked out the TV I wanted. I knew where it was. It was at Office Max or Office Depot, one of the two on 28th Street in Grand Rapids. It was an Akai TV. Flat screen had a DVD. I know, I know, I know. That was... When you download a video and you burn it to a disc, that's what it did. Um, it had it all included. And so I, I took my money, cash money. I, I knew down to the penny what it was going to cost. I drove into Grand Rapids on my day off to, to, to buy it. And I picked a little ticket out of the thing. And I was getting ready to walk up. And I turned around. I put it back. I said, I don't need this thing. I, what am I doing? Come on, 600 bucks. I don't need it. And, and I drove home. The next week did the same thing. The next week did the same thing. The next week did the same thing. Six weeks not buying the TV that I had over-researched. I'm obsessed with this thing. I keep going back, but so, so I get it. And this is your pastor, folks. This is over a decade ago, but this is your pastor. I sat down in Office Max, Office Depot, whichever it is, I think they're combined now anyway, in the little fake office area, you know, where you sit on a chair and I had that little ticket for the, for the Akai TV. I sat down out loud and I won't use the word I use, but buy the darn TV. You've driven here six times and you've used up all the, you, all the savings that you've used up in gas just by the TV. So I walked up, I gave him the ticket, I bought the TV, finally went home. Obsessed of getting the right deal, obsessed with not getting a good deal, obsessed with buying something I don't need, all of that stuff. It's just how I can get caught up in things. And to be perfectly honest, I got obsessed like that with, with this thing that I've been telling you about, PMR polymyalgia rheumatica that I was diagnosed with. But in, 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 in February and March, I was going to beat this thing. I was going to, I was going to, uh, I'm going to give up sugar. I'm going to give up bread. I'm going to give up happiness. I'm going to give up anything I have to give up to make, to make my inflammation go away. But I know here that it's a medical thing and it will go away when it goes away. There's only one treatment for it. It's prednisone. I'm not willing to be on that right now. So I'm just going to deal with it. Um, but I'm going to try to conquer it. I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat it. And I, I mean, I, I will not, I don't even want to tell you how many different supplements and ointments and creams that I've purchased. And I finally realized that I'm trying to beat this thing that's making me miserable. And the, the act of trying to beat it is making me miserable. I go from pain to suffering instead of just pain. That is what legalism does. When we say that we're going to control our world, we're saying God doesn't. And I don't know how you do it, but you do it. Every one of us does it. We try to appease God at best, but we try to please self at worst. 
And what the scripture tells us is that the only way to change a heart is by grace from God. So we want to do this for God and he wants us to receive it from him. But when I'm trying to do it for him or for myself and I say it's for him, it makes it so that I can't get that. The only way I get to live in grace is by realizing all of that is nothing. This is all there is and it's glorious. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Now folks, it is tempting to strive and I'm not saying you shouldn't have self-discipline. One of those, one of those, uh, one of those fruit, one of the, the lists of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to just go, ah, I can do whatever I want. So God, that's not it. But why are you doing it? See, God sees our motive. And if our motive is pure, then this is, these are things we get to do out of gratitude to God. If we're trying to do these things to get God to be pleased with us, it won't work. It can't work, it will never work, and it never has worked. Last little illustration, and you've heard this from me before. When I was a kid, and I knew I was getting a, a bad mark or grade, it's usually a citizenship thing for me, um, something bad was gonna come on my report card. I knew when the, when the marking period ended, and I knew when the stuff was gonna be in the mail. So I did what young red-blooded American boys do with a single mom who's gonna get really upset that I didn't make it to class all the time. And I over-obeyed. I mowed the lawn, I picked up, we had a black walnut tree in the front yard, I pick up all those things because they get nasty. And, and, uh, and I, would, I would pick up the dog poop without being asked. And I would put my dishes away and make sure that she saw that Troy didn't. Um, you know, you see, I, and what am I doing? I'm trying to soften the blow. I'm trying to appease my mother so that when she sees something she's disappointed in, it won't be as harsh. But if I thought well of my mother and I haven't, haven't done wrong, I'm not trying to appease her, I'm gonna do exactly the same things just because I love her. That's, these things are fine, but not if we're counting on them. The only thing we can count on is Jesus. Trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. This serves self. And we try to get God on board. This serves God. And God serves you. Not the other way around. He did come to not to be served, but to serve so if you want your life to work the way God intended, these might be good efforts, but they're doo-doo. This changes hearts, minds, lives, and it's the only hope for the world. Choose grace, getting what you do not deserve. 
Because if you're going for, with that, you're going to get what you deserve. That's not good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for law. It shows us our need for grace. And Lord, you know, we're not saying that we shouldn't keep the commandments, but your commandments are to love you, love others, and love ourselves. Help us do that out of gratitude to you. Change us from the inside out. Lord, change our hearts so that then we become the people that you want us to be and show your love to the world that thinks that we're all about rules. In Jesus' name we pray, through the power of your spirit that lives within us, for the glory of God our Father, amen.